Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours with JT. It's the conversation after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Today we've got Terry Kaler from Edison Wedges. Terry has a long career, and I'm not going to say storied. I'm just going to say long career in the golf industry. And when if you listen to the first part of the show, the regular show, he makes a lot of sense about especially that people don't think about their wedges that way. And we made the analogy earlier, we we're talking about tour pros having photographed some PGA tour events and stuff uh, professionally over the years. When, if you're there the day before the tour starts and the trailer is still there, the Titleist trailer, you know, or the ping trailer or whatever, you see those guys in there. And most of the time, what are they working on? Their wedges. Now, that's something the public doesn't see, but that's what they're working on. They're working on the grind, or maybe they've changed the shaft, or they've, you know, their 60-degree wedge is actually 61 and a half, or, or whatever it is. And I don't think that's something that, that the that information isn't out there too much, Terry. Well, I think even more important that if, if you were going to go to a PGA Tour event, and, and if that's what you like to do and they come to your town, Forget the Thursday through Friday. Go watch them play practice rounds on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Yep. Go watch what they do. They hit drives. They look at the golf course, and they hit three, four, five, eight, twenty shots around the greens to see how that green is going to release, how the ball is going to roll out. I mean, they're they're judging how to play that hole when I miss the green because they're going to miss one out of three greens. They want to know, where do I want to miss this green? Where am I going to favor it? And how do I manage a shot from the back right, the left front, you know, pin high right, pin high left, left rear. They want to know how, and they walk around those greens and hit the various uh, little pitch and chip shots because they know they're going to have those during the course of the tournament. Sure. One third of the holes, they're going to be chipping because they're going to miss the green. And they want to know how that ball is going to perform to the, what they they're pretty good at figuring out where the pin placements are going to be because they're in the same place every every time they play that course. You know, I mean, we know, like, take the Masters. We want to watch the Masters. We know on Sunday where every pin is. Yep. It's going to be in the same place with yep. very few exceptions. Well, so do they. And they know, hey, you know, that's a shot I'm going to have to have this week. <laughs> to that pin placement, I'm going to practice it. So, well, and you, we talked earlier in the, in the regular show too, you were talking about the sand and they played the same sand The the tours stops mostly don't play the same sand that you and I do on our local courses. 
a lot of that, well, this, at the Masters, it's kind of like silica. It's not really like sand. And, and so, well, they, what they've been to play, if you look at most tour bunkers, they have a half an inch of dry sand on wet pack sand. That's the way the tour likes their bunkers because, and, and I'm kind of a critic of the tour. I mean, not to take away anything from these guys' talent, but the tour sells one thing, and that's TV ratings. That's the tour's product. That's where they make their hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Is TV ratings. Okay. And the TV viewer wants to see, the TV viewer doesn't want to see that guy leave it in the bunker. He wants to see him hold it from the bunker. Yep. 70% of the TV audience doesn't even play golf. You know, I mean, what do we like to watch when we watch Major League Baseball or college football? We like to watch the big plays. We don't play football. We don't know what goes into that. That's what we want to see. It's exciting. We don't want to see a defensive struggle and a, you know, most efficient baseball fans can't appreciate great pitching and what goes into that. They want to see a big home runs and the big ball. Yep. You know? Yep. So the golfer is the same way. That golf fan who doesn't play golf, he wants to see putts go in the hole and you look at, at the PGA Tour, most weeks the holes are set on pretty flat spots. They're set where the green will feed the ball to the hole because that's cool for a viewer to watch that ball make a big old curve from the middle of the green and roll down. You know, I'll use the, the, the 18th at Sawgrass where they play the TPC at the Players' Championship. Sure. Every year the pin is back left on that little flat right by the water. But but a shot hit 30 feet right of the hole ends up at the same distance from the hole of a shot hit right at the flag. So why would a tour player mess with that flag when he can hit it in the middle of the green that's going to feed to that flag? They all know that. Sure. It makes for really cool TV. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, and, and I'm not taking anything away from tour player skills. These guys are, are mystical with their short game skills. They're massively strong athletes. They hit it a mile. But do they control the golf ball with their irons like Hogan, Nelson, Sneed, Watson, Miller, Nicholas? No, these guys don't control the ball with their irons anywhere near those guys. But their short games make it where they don't have to. They can bomb the driver and fire right at the flag every time. And you talk to the old guys, you know, Watson, Nicholas, they didn't fire at the flag very often. Because the penalty of missing a green was a probable bogey because they didn't have the short games. These guys have, because that's not what golf was about. Golf now, at the, at the big level, is about bomb the ball, mystical short game for when you don't knock the flag out of the hole. I think the only guy that ever attacked the pins out of that group would be Trevino, because he always said, well, and I, I remember some of his uh, press conferences as a kid, saying, why did you, you know, why did you hit it there and he goes well that's where the flag is isn't it and that was always yeah. his answer but i think he attacked the flag more than a lot of them and yet he was still um skilled and conscious of the greens and you know how they fed down yeah. to the hole and all that but i think he was probably more aggressive than a lot of them on on that yeah it probably so it's just his his personal nature sure sure and i and i would say the same with tiger you know, um, his skills just to me, and not just cause I'm a fan, but because I'm around golf a lot, his, his short game skills are still, um, kind of at a different level. 
I mean, even now. Yeah, but all of these guys are so good. I would tell you this. The worst guy, the worst short game on the Corn Ferry Tour is better than the best short game of any club player in America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it has to be or you can't play golf for a living. Right. You know, I mean, when you think about it, the best player on the tour hits 13 greens around, a little under 13 greens around. The best player on tour. I know guys at my club that, that hit 12, 11, 12, 13 greens around. So tee to green, they're comparable to a tour player. But they don't shoot 63s and fives. <laughs> no. So, you know, uh, I mean, and that's the big difference. So let's switch gears here a little bit. You, you're you're a Texas boy, and you like barbecue, and you like smoking meats, and and uh, what? So what are you cooking on these days, and what do you like to do there? Well, I am not. Um, I have not made as big a science out of it, and I I cook on a gas grill. I have a little wood box that I put, I mean, a little iron box that I put wood chips in so I can kind of get some smoke inside that grill. Sure. Um, I'm a a believer in, in, and I don't do what I would call pure barbecue. I mean, you know, when you take a piece of chuck or a piece of brisket and, you know, you put it over, you know, oak smoke for 16, 15 hours, that's real barbecue. And, man, there are some masters at that. Now, there are no shortcuts to that. I typically, I, I draw a line between barbecue and grilling. And people say, well, people from the north say, well, I barbecued steak tonight. No, you didn't. You grilled the steak. Barbecue is a long, slow smoke process. And putting some chicken halves on the grill for a couple hours on low heat and then getting you some really nice, juicy grilled chicken. You know, I mean, I love that. You know, putting a rack of ribs, basting it often. And, but, you know, barbecuing in Texas vernacular, that requires smoke, ochre mesquite, typically, and a lot of time yep. and patience. Yep. And, and, and I don't believe you wrap meat in tinfoil and put it back on the grill because that steams the meat. That's a shortcut, cheap way to get tender, but it's steamed meat. Who wants the hell? Who, any, any barbecue or worth of salt would like brown on that. Yeah, <laughs> what you do with that though is when you do wrap it, you don't take it off the grill. You throw it in a cooler, just to keep it warm. If you've got an hour or two before you're going to serve it to somebody, yeah, because it's done. Now I do do that on occasion, but I agree. I with had you. a guy tell me, "Will you wrap them? Will you wrap in butcher paper?" Yep, and and that way it lets the meat breathe and lets the steam kind of escape, and so you don't end up steaming your the meat you've labored over for 8, 10, 12, 20 hours or whatever. Right. There's some great legendary barbecue cookers in Texas for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, barbecue in Texas and barbecue in the Carolinas and barbecue in Oregon are all, they're different. Yep, they are. They are. Um, but what you're, what you're doing and what you're saying actually equates to a majority of the population because a majority of the population in the United States cooks on a gas grill because it's, oh, yeah. it's faster, it's easier, they can come home, fire up the grill, go change their clothes, it's at temp when they come back, put their steak on it or their chicken thighs or whatever they're doing. Um, you know, they can pay, they have to pay attention to it, but it's they don't pay that much attention to it um, yeah. because it's a very short cook. Right. And they can do that. If you're if you're gonna do stick wood or charcoal or pellets or something like that, it's much longer uh 
you know, you get the better flavors, you get the smokiness and that and that, but it's still different. But uh, for so me- these pellet grills are very interesting to me. My nephew is a master with this pellet grill and and he cooks a lot. He's got two boys. And so on Sundays, he typically cooks for the week and he's, you know, he's got elk and chickens and everything on there. And then they package up all the meals for the week. Sure. Uh, but hey, I was out visiting him. He lives in Idaho up in your end of the world. And, and he's become a master at this pellet grill cooking. It's pretty interesting. So that, that's... I just haven't invested in one of those because I I'm, live alone. And so I don't, I, I can't cook that much. I can't eat all of it. Right. Uh, pellet grills kind of originated about 12 miles from where I lived, where the Traeger started. And, yeah, uh, really? Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, they really set the tone. There's a lot of different brands and models out there now, but Traeger was the kind of the original that really hit hit the market, and everybody, uh, you know, s- stayed with it, saw the effects in that, and they're a, they're a huge seller now. So let's yeah. s- let's switch back to to golf a little bit, Terry. How much time do you get? You're busy now, and you're promoting the Edison wedges, and you're helping run the company and you're doing this and that <clears throat> how much time do you get to play? Well, I've been slighted a little bit the last couple of years. I moved to my house down on the coast. So I was 55 miles from the country club. So I'm not getting, but I'm relocating. Actually we're relocating Edison golf to a little coastal community of Rockport, Texas, great little town just outside of Corpus Christi and down on the coast. So I get the, I've, Moved. I'm now a member of Rockport Country Club, and we're moving the production facility out of San Antonio down to Rockport next week. And so my golf and my fishing and my life and my company will all be in the same community for the first time. So I plan to get back to my routine. of I really enjoy, you know, we're talking about the importance of the short game, and I've been very blessed health-wise. I'm 69. I still hit it pretty pretty good, and I still play to a three. And, and um what I like to do in the afternoons, I'm kind of a range rat, but I'll go to the range and they stack our balls in pyramids. I think there's a hundred balls in a pyramid and I'll hit a whole pyramid of balls with the maximum shot being 30 yards, just practicing technique, chipping, pitching, hitting different trajectories, hitting the different spots up and down the range or up. And, and then I'll hit, you know, 20, 30 full swing shots working from irons to driver and, what I like doing late in the evening is going out to the course and I'll hit a drive, maybe a couple iron approaches into that green. And then I'll spend 10 or 15 minutes around that green, just circling the green with two or three balls, hitting yep. real genuine, you know, recovery shots. I mean, I practice technique on the range. I practice creativity and, and control around the greens on the court. And, and to me, that's the only way to keep your short game, you know, sharp and, and creative. You know, one of the fun things um, when we go on vacation, which has not been much the last two or three years, just because of COVID and some other things. But when we would go to a resort and there's a, and it's, you know, on a golf course, so they've got a couple of golf courses there. And we always manage to stay in a condo or room that's right there on the course. I like to do that same thing. I like to go out at night. Nobody's around. The course is basically closed, but nobody cares. And you go out and you take a half a dozen balls around a green and just, you know, chip it in there. Keep chipping and practicing and practicing that way. That's that's fun to me, actually. Oh, yeah. And you're practicing creativity. I was watching a video of some teacher this morning and he was he said, 
you know, the short game, chipping and pitching, is 20% technique and 80% feel. Well, the only way to develop feel is through repetition, trusting your technique, and then a lot of repetition. And when you get that little shot on the golf course and a real round of golf, you go, I know this shot. I know how to hit it. I, I can visualize the, the flight of the ball and where it's going to land. And I know that shot because I've hit it. I can exercise my creativity. And feel is a thing that's it, – it, there's no shortcut to developing feel. I mean, I, I was talking about that a while ago on the radio show. And you, it just takes time. Whether you're a junior player, whether you're 69 years old, you're not going to develop feel without hitting those real shots. Right. Right. And you have to do it consistently. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've set up a little pitching thing in my backyard and a putting green, but you know, it's much better for me if I go out there and hit 40 balls, uh, we've got a big backyard and so I can hit them 30 feet without any problem. You know, uh-huh. uh, I don't run out of area, but I notice when I do that, especially two or three days before I'm going to play, I play much better than if I go pound a bucket of balls with my driver, you know, an hour before we're going to tee off. I do much better when I, when I do it at home. That's just, that's just me, but it kind of goes with what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's certain things that are just no substitute for time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we have a limited amount of. So use it wisely folks. Yeah. That's the only thing I can say. Terry Kaler from Edison Wedges. Again, edisonwedges.com. Terry's been around for more than a couple of weeks now. He knows what he's talking about. And uh, I want to thank you a lot for being on the show. That's my pleasure. And it's 40 years um, that I've been in the golf industry and designing golf clubs and helping market golf clubs. And uh, it's fascinating. and, And nothing is as gratifying as when I get an email like I got this morning from a teaching pro that said, these are the best wedges I've ever hit. And, you know, that's, that's what's gratifying is whether it's a teaching pro or a 20 handicapper. I mean, I, I do this because I love it and I do it because, you know, I'm helping golfers get better and that's what makes this all worthwhile. Yeah, it it is truly is. I can see where you get the, some real good kicks out of that. Um, Terry, we hope to have you back on the show one of these days. That's going to wrap up after hours for us here this week. I hope you enjoy your week, folks. Get out there and play some golf. Take care.